Welcome back. This is episode 32 of the Bucket Seat Podcast, and I have my first discussion with automotive journalist Sammy Hajisad. Previously, Sammy was the features editor at AutoGuide, but on the eve of this recording, Sammy was officially the road test editor. On top of that gig, he's also a co-host of his own podcast, The Unnamed Automotive Podcast. It's high-quality content if you're into cars, and I highly, highly recommend it. In this episode, Sammy gives us a glimpse inside the life of an automotive journalist. We cover kind of a range from how he started in journalism, who he looks up to, and we even finish with some really valuable tips on how he digs for and shares stories. If there are any ambitious listeners out there that want to become a journalist, this is certainly an episode to listen to start to finish. As usual, I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne, and this is the Bucket Seat Podcast. Okay, so we are starting to record right about now. So don't be afraid to get in close to that microphone. Um, and to everyone out there, so welcome back to the Bucket Seat Podcast. I finally lined up time to be able to do this show together. Um, and after a few months of scheduling, including a press trip that we both ended up on in a few different capacities, it's finally here. So tonight on the show, I have Sammy Hajasad as my guest. And Sammy, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. So Sammy's an automotive journalist and a really good one at that. Um, he currently writes for AutoGuide as the features editor. Is that still current? Uh, actually, as of today, I'm the road test editor. But uh, for the past five years, I've been the features editor. And I can uh, I can talk to you with certainty what it's like to be in that role. <laughs> <laughs> good. Okay. Well, that's awesome. I'm, I'm happy to know this is so current as we're talking about it. So um, you've been there for five years-ish? Yeah. Okay. Um, so on top of writing for AutoGuide, uh, AutoGuide, wow, a Freudian slip, right? Um, Sammy also has a podcast, um, and not surprisingly, it's also a really good one. It's called the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. He's a co-host, um, and the other host or co-host of the show is Benjamin Hunting. So if you aren't already listening to it, um, you have to tune in on Apple Podcasts. So just search for the Unnamed Automotive Podcast or visit unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. So I know you can listen to it right from there. Mm -hmm. um, so you can hear Sammy and Ben break down their recent exploits as successful automotive journalists, as they are. And they range uh, through kind of mild and wild cars, destinations, everything they've been experiencing. So um, I highly, highly recommend it for anyone who's out there interested in automotive podcasts. I think, um, it, although I hadn't heard a ton about it until you'd explained it to me, you guys are doing an awesome job of going through what it is that's out there in the car world right now. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in cars, I highly, highly recommend it. So go check it out and make sure you listen to that show. We also like decompress like some ideas. I mean, we, we, we consume a lot of uh, PR spin mm -hmm. and a lot of, uh, a lot of weird stories from, from, or pitches from people. And we always like, sometimes we just like break it down. We just have a really fun time talking about some weird product that Audi or Volkswagen has shown us recently. I think there was a, there was one that I can never give up. It's called uh, Audi's Smart Hobos Project. Now, Hobos is apparently an acronym for their honey, their smart connected honeybee operation. <laughs> but we just love the idea of this thing called Smart Hobos. And why, first of all, why is Audi even you doing anything with honeybees? I don't know. So we always break that kind of stuff down. It's the funniest yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> and it's a really fun way to, to spend some time talking about cars or the automotive industry and the weird, the wild side of it. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys really have the inside line on it, too, in terms of 
your access to cars, um, some of the trips and the destinations that you're going on and getting kind of that first glimpse into what most people really have no clue about until they hit the, you know, kind of the uh, the dealerships or they're uh, you know open for consumers to be able to get in and test drive at a dealership. So um, it's really interesting to get that side of the story. And, you know, Sammy and Ben do this for a living. So you guys really have an awesome um, voice to it and are really an authority behind all of it. So the unnamed automotive podcast, go and check it out. Um, but don't go there yet. You have to listen to the rest of this podcast because we're going to get into how Sammy started it all how automotive became something that was inspiring or as he was impressionable how he followed it um for me it's always been an interesting part of every guest who comes here because we all started in a different place and some very far flung and some very close to what i've done so we started at the beginning um what was it that got you into cars what inspired or hooked you you're gonna laugh at me man <laughs> tell me it was can, the fast and furious i can remember i can remember it wasn't fast and furious okay. I, was, I must have been a child i must have been a baby um and i can the earliest memory i have of anything automotive related my looking at the looking out the the window or looking at a balcony and watching a garbage truck mm-hmm. dump you know those crazy like top loading garbage trucks and absolutely they pick up the garbage and they throw it over their back and you're like what is this monstrosity it's amazing <laughs> yeah. and it just captures your attention of these like it's like a transformer in real life yeah. Totally. So I imagine, I, I, I always think back to this moment where this thing captured my imagination. It was like, I want to drive cool stuff like that. I want to be around that kind of stuff. And for a long time, I thought I wanted to be a garbage man just so that I could drive trucks like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But as I grew up, you know, you pick up um, these wild things. They sound cool. They look cool. You end up seeing everything. You end up, you know, my parents really picked up on that, you know, the, 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 the collection of Hot Wheels and models. And they noticed, you know, the posters on the wall. So things, you know, I'm, I'm a relatively young journalist, so... Uh, I can't go too far back to things like the E-Type or something like that. Sure, I have posters yeah, of, yeah. of the the Viper and the NSX and uh, the the Countach and the Diablo. You know, mm-hmm. I have I have a little bit more modern supercars. Nothing like you know the Miura and, and all the really you know the things that really set the trend <laughs> back then. But you know that really like that really captured my eyes. And going through school, uh, it was hard to make a decision because you know they they ask you to make a decision what to do with your life fairly early on. And my fi- my family all comes from a medical background, and that sounds that's really cool. Honestly, I think I I, I wish I could do that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but it never really clicked with me. Um, and uh, one of the things that did click with me is the stories that they used to tell. Um, my parents come from uh, another country; they come from the Middle East. Um, the both of their history, the both sides of my family has really unique history, um, and they sh- they used to share that to to me all the time. So I wanted to tell stories just like that. Here I am, just a kid in Canada. I want to have a unique story to tell. Mm-hmm. Or at least I want to find more stories just like that. So I went to school uh, with a focus on journalism. Um, and coming into that final year, um, I thought, you know, if, if you could write about one thing that you will never shut up about, it's got to be cars. It has to be cars, Sammy. So uh, when I asked my, my, cl- my teachers for some advice, you know, can you point me in the direction of, a, of somebody who might be willing to take on a young journalist? They all, uh, they all shook their head and said, sorry, I've never heard of, I don't know any automotive journalists. Um, the only exception being uh, Daniel Ponzini. He was a student in the program one year ahead of me. He's currently a uh, PR specialist at Porsche. That's before right. Before that, he was at Subaru. Before that, he was at Kia. And before that, he was at Autoblog. <laughs> uh, so he's, uh, he had one a, a step ahead of me in this thing. And he, he talked to me. It made, it made it seem like it was possible. Unfortunately, I couldn't quite get it right 
uh, as that in that final year internship that happened. So what I did is I uh, I decided to to shift perspective. If nobody wants to hear the the ramblings of a kid, uh, you know, a 20, 20 year old kid on a twenty thousand dollar car, twenty five thousand dollar car. I have no concept of 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 ownership of anything really. Um, so I tried to narrow it down to my to my level to my audience. Um, and I found another, another niche subject that I was interested in. It was technology and gadgets and, and entertainment and stuff like that. Um, I had a friend who was, uh, just finishing school in graphic design and web design. And, um, uh, I owe, I owe him everything. He set me up with a really cool site, um, a nice, um, design. And I started acting like a professional for once in my career. And I started talking to PR people about, <laughs> you know, you know what? I'm a young, uh, I'm a young male. Uh, I'm the perfect demographic to talk about cell phones, to talk about uh, laptops and tablets. And you know what? They started sending me, um, you know, they started with a $250 phone, uh, a launch event, a $500 phone, a tablet, a laptop, a computer. Uh, and suddenly I'm, dry, I'm, fly, I'm taking a look at, uh, a, you know, $25,000, uh, sorry, $2,500 laptop. And I'm like, I'm thinking, hey, it's not that far of a stretch to talk about a fifteen thousand dollar car, a twenty five thousand yeah. dollar car, a thirty thousand dollar. So, you know, uh, I learned how to establish myself uh, in a brand. I learned how to talk to PR people, explain to them what I can offer, and uh, and act like a professional. I guess that's something that's rare these days. I don't know, and it worked out. Um, my boss right now at AutoGuide, uh, my first boss at AutoGuide actually, um, noticed this contribution. Noticed that I was still an automotive enthusiast through Twitter. Um, I would chat with him uh, about some of his reviews. I would sort of tweet at him. Mm-hmm. And he, every once in a while, he'd have the time to tweet back until one day he sent me a direct message saying, hey, you know, I like you. We're hiring. Um, are you interested? Now, here's the thing that happens whenever you get in. Like social media is pretty much like it is back then was like it is now. When somebody direct messages you, you think they want something from you or of course. you don't trust them. Yeah. <laughs> I actually sent them like, you're joking. You're going to take my social insurance number. You're going to open up a mortgage on my name. Boom, scam. I'm done. And he didn't respond back to that. <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't funny enough. So I said, okay, let's pretend you're not joking. Um, what do you need? Resume? Writing samples? He says, some writing samples would be good. I said, boom, look at this whole site. All in, all with my byline. All with my you know focus of, of direction. Um, and all of these um, reviews, I lined up myself. I arranged it. He says, cool, give me your resume and let's have an interview. I had a job by the, the following month and it was, it's been a dream ever since. I, I could not believe my luck. Um, but some people say it's a, it's a combination of planning, uh, preparation, timing, just worked out. And uh, I, I'm so grateful because uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic gig. It takes a lot out of you, mm-hmm. but uh, at the end of the day, you, you love it. You just, you got to love cars. You got you to gotta love spending so much time around all of this stuff. Uh, and I really do. There's no shortage of, of enthusiasts that I want to talk to, uh, of cars out there to, to learn about and to read about. And uh, I, I'll, I don't think I'll get tired of it, not yet at least. Well, I mean, I mean, going from watching dump trucks and wanting to, <laughs> wanting to get behind the wheel of one of those mm. to what you're doing now today. I mean, I think it makes... I still a... want to get behind the, the wheel of a dump truck. Hey, well, there you go. I mean, that's that's got to be a pretty good story. <laughs> <laughs> truck PR people, hit me up. We're, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to wheel back a little bit further again, so because we're going to get back sure. into where journalism both has taken you and kind of where you've taken journalism um, in a few seconds here. But before we do that, there's a couple of quick kind of, we'll do like a little rapid fire on these. Hit me. Uh, first car that you ever owned? 
Um, it was a hand-me-down Mercedes C-Class, a C240, which had a underpowered V6, a 2.6 liter V6, which made the name, the nomenclature of the whole car. Right. Pretty no confusing. Yes. Yeah. Even back then. Um, I loved it though. It was, it had leather, tan leather seats, tan leather seats. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it had a six CD changer and, uh, I remember rocking out in that thing all the time, except for driving it in the snow was pretty terrible because it had an open diff. Mm, right. So that, uh, taught me a lot about how to handle a rear wheel drive car in the snow. Nice. Uh, that's a good education right off the bat. There you go. Um, so then, okay. Cause again, I know the answer to this, but given your rear drive tendencies, yeah, um, yeah. first car that you purchased. If the 2013 Scion FRS, and that was after I had test drove one at an event, mm -hmm. and I actually said, I cannot not have this car. Right. And it it consumed me. It was like an addiction. It's like, you know, when you watch like a really good television show, and at mm -hmm. the end of the show, you're like, I got to watch the next episode. I yeah. have to. It's yeah. like... It's like Breaking Bad or, or Better Call Saul. The, of course. the way they tease you like that. And, yeah. you, and you just get so satisfied. And like, I, it was like that with the, with the FRS. And I was one of the first people in Canada to get theirs. No uh, kidding. It was the wow. longest wait I've ever had in my life. It was probably like, honestly, it was probably like a month or something. And everyone gets a wait like that. But I was like, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, color? Blue. Um, ultramarine is the name of the color. Nice. Um, it's very funny because... As a joint project between Toyota and Subaru, mm -hmm. I believe the blue is the same blue used in many other Subarus. Galaxy Blue Mica, I think it's called, mm -hmm. but they'll call mm -hmm. it something else mm -hmm. uh, altogether, which is always such a fun little game to see what the differences are, between, despite it being the same car. <laughs> okay, so well then, uh, with the Mercedes aside, mm -hmm. now with the FRS, um, one of the big questions I always have for everyone is, did you ever tinker with it? Did you start tinkering with cars? Do you tinker with cars? Um, I, I, I limit my, the amount of tinkering I do, but um, they're all meant to be to enhance my kind of experience. So I've changed the tires on it. Um, and and some, of, some of your listeners might totally understand the FRS and the BRZ and the 86 as it's known now uh, comes with some really limited tires off the, off the bat. Mm -hmm. They're, they are truly limiting. They set a, a, a low ceiling and um, an artificial ceiling at that. So once you put some new tires on it, the car feels much more responsive, much more um, grippier, in fact, and fast too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if tires are considered a tinkering, a thing to change. I've, I have way too many sure. sets of I mean, tires. Sure, I mean, to a certain extent, I think so, yeah. And even, you know, I, I take them uh, on the track and I, I, I toy with the temp, with the uh, with the inflation and the pressure yeah, sure yeah, yeah pressure uh, and another aspect is uh another element of the car that i found lacking was um the clutch engaged really high mm -hmm. uh, and there's a very simple uh rod that you can adjust in the clutch pedal very few people kind of make this adjustment because you know toying with anything to do with your clutch you're worried that you're going to wear it out prematurely and here mm -hmm. i have it five years later uh nothing's nothing's wrong with the clutch but i have moved the clutch in the, the clutch closer to the floor so it engages more naturally in the in the middle of the of the travel is it so is it just less travel now on that pedal uh a little bit less travel yes right right that's uh, interesting that kind of like moves the whole travel further down so it just feels more engaging okay uh, I've never actually, I've never heard of that these, all these years working on BRZ and I've never heard of that yeah, through BRZ. It's, so. it's really simple. It's, it, it huh. takes a, a pair of pliers and you, and it's very common. People say it changes the whole feel of the car. Thank I you, internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, I mean, I was, you know, normally ask what's your, you know, your daily driver, daily, your stable of daily drivers. Mm -hmm. In this case, knowing that FRS is your baby. Mm -hmm. um, and you're I, not I drive it all year long, okay. like in the well, snow too. And I, what I have come to know of most automotive journalists is that they don't really spend a lot of time in their own car. So with that in mind, what is it that you're driving today? 
Today, I'm driving a, Mer- uh, a brand new Mercedes-Benz C300 wagon. Wagon um, love. Yeah, yes. that's <laughs> also a, a four-wheel drive model as well, uh, a Formatic. Um, it is a, I don't know too much about it. It's not actually my press vehicle. It's a colleague's press vehicle. We made a, a really funny swap. To I was going to say because week. of, um, I have a BMW i8 under my name, uh-huh. um, Poor but you. I wanted to limit the, Hey, I wasn't complaining. <laughs> um, I wanted to limit the amount of mileage that I put on it because I had to do some events up in Bowmanville, which is about maybe a hundred or so kilometers each way, depending on what kind of traffic you get into and all that jazz. Um, and I also don't want to show up at a track and one of these things and a bunch of other journalists kind of like look at you like, oh, look at this big shot. <laughs> uh, I want it to be a little bit. Oh, granted, I've got a Mercedes here, right? Like, yeah, fair what, enough. What a, what, a, what a concession, I suppose. Fair enough. But amongst other journalists, <laughs> I think they would be much more understanding of that than showing up in the IA. Now so you can understand it. what kind of person I am. I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, but I do have to shoot a video with it. And uh, sometimes, again, going to an appropriate location with it, I'll, I'll have to spend some time trying to find out where it's supposed to go. Um, and, uh, my colleague is a, a superior of, uh, my boss. And so he gets, he get pretty much assigns my checks. So I can't let him down. If he wants to drive the I8 and he's got a Mercedes C300 for me, <laughs> just take the keys. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you're getting a really good week, um, for anyone listening that is outside of Toronto and Canada, we're getting very unseasonably warm temperatures right now. So, I mean, not an awful time to have an I-8 and warm up those tires and go for a fun and spirited, but very responsible drive. Absolutely. Uh, uh, eco-friendly <laughs> drive, too. Of course. So, we're going to move into automotive journalism itself. And so, before anything else, I'd love to know, or can you let everyone know where they can find your work? Because through AutoGuide... Yeah. I mean, predominantly a U.S. Um, organization, publication. Yeah. Um, it is syndicated through Torstar mm-hmm. um, here in Canada. Um, but what does that mean for where Where can we see it? You know, okay. like how, how can people find what you're up to? Anywhere, autoguide.com. Uh, my, name is, uh, my name is peppered throughout that site. Um, I was described by my colleagues as a Swiss army knife. I do news. I do features. I do videos. I do reviews. I do lists. I do interviews. Oh, goodness. Right. I do a little bit of everything there. Um, Auto Guide definitely we focus our content to the American audience. Um, we okay. started putting more Canadian mm-hmm. content in there because we have a, a pretty significant um, investment from Torstar. Um, that happened just about a year ago, and that's uh, allowed us to focus on a Canadian market as well. Um, you can find us in the Toronto Star every Saturday um, in the, in the wheel, wheel section, section right? Yep. Um, we're alongside the typical wheels mainstays like Jim Kenzie and Norris um, McDonald. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that, you can find us in Toronto in the Metro, which is a free newspaper given out on the public subway, transit system. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think you can find me on Thursday there. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I don't take the TTC very often. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, maybe an automotive journalist should be doing that a little bit more often to get, to feel humble, you know? I totally hear you. <laughs> having gotten, having been rid of my WRX for now a couple of months. I have had to take the TTC begrudgingly when I normally never have. And uh, I've actually picked up a couple copies of Metro and read some of your work. So um, I have had exposure to it. And, um, you know, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world to have a little bit of silence and no cell signal for a while, too. And, you know, you sit back and actually read something. Absolutely. Until somebody steps on your toes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. TTC users. Um, <laughs> you can also find it in any of the Torstar um, publications across Canada. A friend of mine from high school actually... Uh, message me on Facebook saying, holy cow, I'm in Vancouver. 
what is your name doing on this on this paper? Do you live here? And right. Said, no, it's not. I'm still in Toronto, but and that was really cool. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so aside, so that's kind of the written content. That is all the written content. Um, video content is also something you've been producing on top of both your writing and your podcasting, and you've won some awards, haven't you? Uh, just one award. It was a runner-up, but Autoguide does take quite a few of the AJAC awards every year. Uh, maybe for the past three years. Um, I'm sorry, for listeners who don't know, AJAC is? The Automotive Journalists Association of Canada. It's a group of automotive journalists who wanted to make uh, a sort of staple or a standard of automotive journalism. Um, and to have a more um, established brand behind mm-hmm. some of the opinions that are out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, and you know what, in, especially in this country, I think it's very highly regarded in terms of the journalists that participate in it. Uh, or are a part of it and some of the work that ends up, uh, you know, being recognized by it. So kudos. Absolutely. And it's, it was honestly, it was a, it was a, a trip to, to, to really get to see my name on the, on a screen on an award that said, um, best video, uh, internet series, or I thought that was unbelievable. And, um, and now remind me too, is that piece of content through AutoGuide? Yes. Awesome. Um, that was actually a Lamborghini drive that, um, I did during Pebble beach last year. Um, oh, it sounds awful. It was, uh, <laughs> you know what, I'll, I'll describe Pebble Beach uh, to you. Pebble Beach is, is bizarre. It's a, it's a surreal alternate universe. It feels like you're, you're a journalist in a video game. Mm-hmm. You are just a bystander to wonderful things happening near you. There's no Corollas, there's no Civics, there's nothing like that in your way. Instead, <laughs> you've got classic, classic cars. And I'm, not, and I'm not just talking like classic cars we see around here, like, ooh, uh, Camaro IROC, right? Like, right. I mean, yeah. like, pre-war race cars Mm -hmm. um uh and then you see limited exotics so one of seven or something like that or one of one right there was uh mclaren special edition vehicles so good god occasionally you you the the stars line up in pebble beach and you get in touch with the right person who says hey you know what i've got x y and z would you like to come take it for a drive um last year i got um that opportunity uh lamborghini asked me i had a friend in lamborghini a, a former colleague who uh, said, you know what, we have some time in a uh, Huracan Spider. Would you nice. like to take it for a spin? Wow, yeah. And um, I said that, I told my my colleagues, hey, I've got a Lamborghini Spider. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, let's go. Let's, where's the video guys at? Uh, and I stole them for a, a short while. And uh, it, was a, it was a blast. It was simply one of the coolest uh, videos I've ever done. One of the only drives and, and reviews that I've done with a bow tie on. Um, some of my colleagues will recognize me when I go to an auto <laughs> show. I tend to dress up a little bit. It was a dress code that was instilled on us early on at Auto Guide to dress sharp, dress, sure. dress for the occasion. Yeah. And I have these, uh, I have a, a, a selection of bow ties and uh, I think that's what really won the judges over at Ajax. <laughs> I love it. No, I mean, you do. You have to look the part, especially when you're driving in, you know, particular vehicles. You can go the other route and you, you could wear uh never mind you know what i won't even go that <laughs> um i feel like i don't want to call out or ostracize anyone listening that may have a very different style and taste okay um okay so video content um auto it's a youtube channel you can find us um auto guide video uh auto guide videos i think it is oh man i don't even know my my youtube channel that's, That's right. Good. I mean, maybe youtube.com forward slash autoguide. Yeah. Um, autoguide videos. We will, um, yeah, we'll. Autoguide we'll, video, sorry. Autoguide videos. Okay. So knowing that, that you really have this breadth of um, mediums that you are producing, the podcast, yeah. producing work in. Yeah. So you've got video content, you've got written work, you've got podcasting. 
So out of those, um, there are kind of two things. What's your favorite to produce and what's your favorite to consume? My favorite um, to produce is actually the video stuff. The video can be, you can have a lot of fun on video. Um, I'm still petrified of doing it right or wrong or, or saying something incorrectly, not having the right spec uh, or number or price or uh, something. Of course, yeah, because um, the internet is not very forgiving. The is internet it? is absolutely not forgiving. And they're not <laughs> forgiving of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and I don't know, it, it, it's tough. But when you hit it and you, you see what the, the work that your colleagues help produce, uh, my videographers are great uh, behind the camera and they're amazing uh, when it comes to editing. Uh, they can always pair it up with some great music and they always make me look way better than I really yeah. am. You're, you're looking at me right now. And, uh, <laughs> uh, come it's on, not a pretty come sight, on, Sammy. Don't on be modest. camera, somehow, on, on, your, on your 1080p cam uh, video there or, or yeah. screen, it, look, it ends up looking pretty good. It looks professional. It does. So, I mean, honestly, aren't editors God's gift to anyone that's on camera? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really the guys that are behind the camera and the guys that operate cameras, I have a ton of respect for. Directors, you know, DPs, whoever it happens to be. But editors often, I don't think, get the credit that they should Absolutely. when they help you tell your story sometimes even better than you could tell your story. So um, sidebar, thanks to all the editors out there. Uh, you guys do a fantastic job for all of us, not me in particular, people I work with. But um, yeah, so okay, so now that's your favorite to produce, favorite to consume. That's a, that's a tough one to answer. I Actually, I don't watch a lot of YouTube videos. Uh, and if I do, I actually like hit play and just put them on a separate tab while I do mm. some work. I mm -hmm, like listening mm -hmm. to people speak about uh, about right. cars. Um, so I will say reading uh, online is is a great place. I usually start on Twitter. Um, that's probably the best place for me to to just start looking at things that uh, that hit me. No kidding. Right? Twitter. Okay. And I I I have a tough time as well with the automotive podcast, which is why I kind of like tackled my own idea for it. it they just. They're just regurgitating the same information that I end up taking anyways from uh, totally. a event or a drive program. So reading is always a really good time, uh, a good time for me. It's a good way to just get immersed in, into the writing and the, the mind of someone else. Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I, I can completely relate because there are so many podcasts out there. And to be honest, so many pieces of writing. I feel like the video can kind of differentiate itself sometimes depending who the hosts are. Mm -hmm. But in the podcast world and in the written world, you know, it's the same group of seven, 10, 15 journalists who go on the same trip, mm -hmm. who have the same embargo in place, who release their story relatively around the same time. And you, you, you find the exact same experience from people who have a slightly different opinion or a slightly more witty or more sarcastic way of writing, which I appreciate the nuances in. However, um, for me, in that respect, it does start to get old quick when the same news is just regurgitated right. over and over again and over and over again. And you see it in blogs, you see it in Jalopnik, and you see it mm -hmm. um, through, um, God, why am I forgetting everybody else now? But I mean, with Road and Track, um, you see it a lot through them, through Drive Tribe, through yep. all of these different um, organizations, the same story written a slightly different way at the exact same time within about two day span. Yep. Yep. And so instead, I can see what you mean by throwing something on that isn't necessarily that isn't necessarily journalism in the respect that they're reviewing cars. And it's a kind of a, I mean, it's kind of a, a, a bit of a, a tangent that I've taken with this is where I just like talking to the people that do all of that work. Right. Um, and I like hearing their stories about the, you know, kind of humanizing all of it and why they do what they do and, you know, what makes them so passionate about doing what they do. So one of the, the main reason I started when I said, like online, I said, I like to start on Twitter. Twitter is a very humanized 
social media uh, and in, in website. You know, you see people express themselves um, as concisely as they can. Really, and they then are, share, yeah. And then share something mm-hmm, in, the, mm-hmm. in, in that process. So you can find someone that you relate with, uh, someone whose opinion you find valuable or, or voice you find um, interesting enough, and then you can go from there. So there's a lot of great automotive writers who don't just do the typical um, review. They explore random corners of the uh, of the industry and that's what i used to do or i at least i loved doing as a features editor it gave me the ability to do that yeah uh, to ask questions uh, answer questions find people who knew the answers to things i could never figure out um or or seek out experts who are who are above and beyond uh, and then i just waste their time with silly questions <laughs> well i mean I, it's very apparent in in the work that you've done and i don't want to make this a whole show about flattering you, yeah, you and ben in particular that? but um, you know you guys have found um interesting angles um on stories that i think are i'm not going to say completely unexpected but there are elements of it that are unexpected in the way that you discuss what you have experienced and i think that that is the must be sorry that must be the very difficult part of what you do mm-hmm. is finding a way to not just write or to talk about the expected story that i think we you know there's a lot of that kind of middle ground mm-hmm. that i think a lot of people play in so um again kudos to you guys because that that, that must be pretty difficult and that's what makes you the professionals that you are i appreciate it thank you um I so can't believe somebody takes all of that and what we do <laughs> well people are actually reading and paying attention They're analyzing they really too are. much man you're just looking <laughs> into it too much we just want to talk about stuff so, okay, so um, I've yet to have a uh, an automotive journalist who's practicing the art and discipline of automotive journalism on the show. Um, uh, we've had, of course, Mr. Lawrence Yap on, but he's moved who's on. An inspira- who was an inspiration to so many young journalists. God, yeah. I mean, um, he, he, I saw his stuff early on yeah. and he took fantastic. I remember taking him, the photos on this in the wheel section were just like gorgeous. And I, that's what that. How yeah. do you not want to do that after reading his stuff? Lawrence in the Carrera GT, <laughs> yeah. uh, that that photo from above in the wheel section is still permanently ingrained in my in my brain, and I love it. It's just so funny having had the pleasure of having him on the show a few times to be able to talk uh, with him about it. So, um, but you know, he's moved on to a very interesting set of different um, jobs in his career, and he's doing really cool stuff with FAF right now, and. Um, but it's taken him away from the day-to-day of being an automotive journalist. So with that, I'm really interested in knowing what does the average day in the life of an automotive journalist look like? And, and break it down to as simple as you can possibly, uh, the simplistic form of what, what it is that you do. I mean, I, I know that you wake up and you might shower and you might put might. clothes on, but yeah, um, <laughs> you know, how does how does the day in the life of an auto journalist that, look? That's so tough. Uh, there's different types of auto, automotive right. journalists, especially, see, I'm not a freelancer. It's not something I'm not, uh, sometimes not always assigned a story. I have to seek it out myself. Of course. Um, and that involves finding my editor-in-chief, coming up with a, a subject that's come um, to the to light or is on its way. So let's talk, um, as a features editor, it could be a technical topic. So we can talk about, um, let's talk about the different type of chemistry of, of batteries. What a weird thing I just made up in my head. There's lithium ion, there's sure, nickel there's metal AGM, there's, yeah, yeah, you've got there's all these, all these yeah. other things. Um, so we got to tell consumer, you know, there's all this different terminology out there. We got to explain this to consumers. And she'll say, hmm, that's too technical. Or she'll say, awesome, let's do it. Uh, typically, she says, uh, because I'm very enthusiastic and easy to convince uh, easy to convince people that I'm really excited about writing something as dry <laughs> as that. Um, 
she'll go, yeah, let's do it. In which case I panic for a moment and I say, who am I going to talk to about this? Um, <laughs> I send a few emails out to some PR people asking them um, to put me in touch with some experts, mm -hmm. somebody who will know um, whatever the subject is. So in this case, I said battery technology. Mm -hmm. um, who's the best at battery technology? Let's go to Tesla and we'll talk to Toyota. They've made a bajillion hybrids. Why not? Sure. Yeah. Um, they'll ask for a few quick questions. Um, they'll say they can hook me up with this guy. When are you available to talk? Uh, or if he's not available, can he answer that, those questions on, on email? And then I've got quotes, I've got uh, information, I've got sources, I've got to do more information, I've got to find out the pros and cons of every single aspect of this. And then you got to write it down. You got to you got to figure out the best way to to summarize it. In in the end, is it something that actually matters to consumers, or is this something that they should know? That's a tough thing. That's that's really important. Uh, one of my most you know apparently we have a a, a track of most read stories or most clicked on stories. And I answered these questions like, is, uh, what is a CVT transmission? Mm -hmm. um, are run flat tires any good? Um, these are questions that people need to know the, that people are asking and want to know the answer for. What is a CVT question, uh, CVT transmission? That's not a question that can be answered with a yes, buy one, no, don't buy one. They're <laughs> right. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's what, it's the learning the expectation and learn the te technology so that you're, you're, you're giving the buyer some weapons to, to go into the dealership and understand what's going on when they, when they're being sweet talked by uh, a salesperson. Um, in addition to all that, I have to promote some of my content. I have to, uh, I love doing that. Um, I love engaging with people on Reddit. Um, that's always a, a really a new, avenue no kidding. For, I didn't know this, a new avenue for um, sharing your content, finding out what people like and mm -hmm, what they don't mm -hmm, like. Mm -hmm. um, and, Reddit is like every other corner of the internet. It's It can be super specialized. I didn't know that there could be an Avalanche Owners Club. And by that, I mean the Chevrolet Avalanche. Right. So you're looking at like bizarre. a subreddit yeah. just for Avalanche owners. Okay. Yeah. I was, was going to ask, I'm like, are you going into the general like cars subreddit? Or are you going into the Subaru subreddit? Like you must yeah. know now how to tailor specific stories and to be able to get know, certain like responses. The, the, the FRS and the BRZ and the 86 that I know, they have a different name for it. It's called the FT86 Club, which is in, in, in honor of one of the chassis codes it was given um, or the or the concept it was given. Um, mm -hmm. So I have to go in there and, and see if they're, what. first of all, what they're talking about, um, whether they want to learn something new and if that's something I can answer or is it, uh, maybe I can share a new story that we've got, whether it's a new story, whether it's, it's it sounds like spamming, but it's not. I'm right. trying to make friends. But I mean, you, I'm sure you've <laughs> got to be super cautious to not antagonize Absolutely. the same group because I mean, the worst thing you can go in and do is essentially pose a question, drop the mic and walk away. Absolutely. You know, that's, you're going to get zero credit for that as you do it. So, um, I mean, that's amazing. I, I had no clue that that is an avenue that you went down because that's, um, well, I mean, smart well, and very modern. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to, you have to always be paying attention to what people right. are, what, what are, how are people consuming your media or not your media? So let's get to it. Uh, actually, when we were on, we were on an event together, um, a very, um, the car we were driving was the STI, the Subaru WRX STI and mm -hmm. the WRX. That's right. Um, this is a car that has a rabid fan base and a subreddit that is very Equally popular. as rabid, yes. yeah. Very popular as well. I went in there, said, I'm driving the new 2018 Subaru WRX STI. Ask me anything. And you know, there's always these Reddit ask me anything. Uh, good for you. And That's awesome. it really picked up. And at the end of, the, at the end of all of those questions, they yeah. said, where can I find your story? I said, right here. Nice. It's even crazier when they ask, yeah. where can we find your story? And um, that is just another way that you can reach out. So you have to, as an automotive journalist, you have to always be on the 
you have to be aware of what's going on. You can't just bury your face in a, in a word processor and pump out stories. You have to find out what happens to your stories, why they're successful and why they're not successful, who they're going to. And then when you're not writing a story, you have to find out why you're not writing a story and who you should be writing a story to and, you know, what, what they're asking. Wow. It's a lot of thinking um, and it, it consumes me. <laughs> um, and the worst part about it is there is no stop. Okay. On the weekends, I still think about this. I, I'm still on those subreddits. I'm still trying to figure out what people are up to. Um, in the evenings, I'm still checking my phone. Has anyone tweeted me about this random question I've asked about, can I drive a new dump truck? Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? You are always. Uh, I really hope be... this comes as a result of yeah. this show. <laughs> hey, some guys wanted to drive a Zamboni. Me, I want to have one of those sweet garbage trucks. So good. Um, it is, it's, it's crazy. It's a machine uh, and you've got to figure out how to, how to explore it without hurting yourself. Right. I mean, that's such good advice for anyone that's out there and listening. And I know that there are a few people who regularly listen that are just getting into the world of automotive journalism. Um, a couple in particular out there, uh, potentially a female photographer who listens to the show. I won't call you out, but you know who you are, uh, that this is probably some really good advice to be able to take and to understand that there are Kind of, I mean, there are two worlds in terms of there's a um, million worlds. I'm, a world, I'm telling you, there's just so many things that you need to you need to look at and take at uh, a, a, a wider look. It's not just about your content; it's about who's taking it in. It's taking it's taking a look at what else they're interested in. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, what, let, let's talk uh, another random aspect of uh, of Subaru. Subaru. Many Subaru owners uh, have dogs as well. So let's let's talk to those people. And we can figure out a story for them. What car is perfect for drive for, of course, yeah. for dog owners? Or yeah. what do you need to watch out for when, when you own a dog and you want to buy a new car? You have to go all over. Uh, that's, my, that's my specialty as a, as a features writer. I'm sad that I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. But I've been told that I might be able to mentor some younger journalists or, or, new, or freelancers uh, to do stuff just like that. Well, I mean, if you're up for it, I have a feeling a few people who listen may want to actually hit you up for it. Well, so at the end you. of the show, stay tuned because Sammy may or may not give you some of his contact information um, to be able to ask questions about this. Because, and sorry, when I said that there may be, there, there's two worlds, I meant even more so that um, it's kind of that duality between you uh, having to pitch stories and when you're working for someone like AutoGuide uh, versus you completely freelancing mm -hmm. and pitching stories to just about everyone. I mean, not anyone who's going to take your story necessarily, but the right people for the right story. And so I imagine two very different approaches, but the skills that you have learned by pitching internally, I'm sure will or have really helped you kind of outside the world of, of AutoGuide as well. Oh, you're 100% right. I'll, I'll explain. My colleague has noted that I've been able to find more stories than I can write. Um, <laughs> wow, and nice. she's actually given yeah. me more uh, leeway to pitch or to find journalists who are willing to do those stories for me while I'm off doing car reviews or press programs or auto show coverage. Right. Um, and that's super helpful. I can't believe you put that much um, responsibility in my hands, but it's been working out so far. <laughs> okay. So we are going to do a little bit of a rapid fire oh, no, section we're here. Out of time, I guess. No, it's okay. We're not really running out of time, but we're going to try to, we're going to try to do these ones fairly quickly. And I think that most of these will be somewhat quick. Because... Do you have a name for this? Rap the, the rapid fire thing? It should be called like quick shift or yeah, short shift. I know. Yeah. It's the bucket seats quick shift. <laughs> um, the um, what, what I hope comes out of this is that we want to talk about all of these things so much more that you actually come back and we can do another episode together. Um, okay, so what was your first review ever? Do you remember? Um, I my first car review was of the Honda Fit EV. 
Mm. Whoa, Honda Fit EV. Yeah. Crazy. And uh, what was fun about that is I actually booked a gasoline um, or Honda Fit, a regular Honda Fit, yeah. uh, maybe for a week before it so that I could get a better understanding of what I was getting myself into. I'd never been in a brand new car since then. And my, it was my first program, that Honda Fit EV. Huh. Um, and I think I remember trying to justify, um, I wanted to get into a press car. You know, the first thing you want to do when you get into this industry as a journalist, uh, you're like, come on, when am I going to drive a car? Um, and I said, you know, I'm going to be, you, you, you need the extra hands. I need to figure out what I'm going to be writing about. Let's, let's put two and two together, put me in one of these Honda Fits. And it worked out. Um, and the Fit EV was, was an interesting car. It's no longer with us. Uh, and Honda is now making the clarity, I think, as a result. But whatever. Wow. I, I, to be honest, I consider myself to be a fairly well-versed car guy. I, I, I never knew that the Fit was an EV. Very niche. Uh, American-only, uh, U.S.-only vehicle. Okay. And uh, in specific states only. Uh, wow. Lease only as well. Not to mention. Oh, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Plus, you never really owned it. No one ever. No one ever really saw it. Uh, how long ago was that? Five years. Okay. It must have been, um, I think, March or April um, of 2012. Holy. Yeah. Okay. Um, you go on a lot of press trips, and as a as an automotive journalist, there are some there there are certain things that I believe are very romanced in the world of being an automotive journalist. Sure. And I know that the travel schedule can be one of those things. Absolutely. Some of those things I have known from speaking to a few automotive journalists in terms of the travel schedule can actually be far more grueling and very, uh, sorry, the opposite of being romantic um, when it comes to what ends up happening um, in terms of your schedule. It's pretty grueling. It's not like you're there for a vacation okay. yeah. and you land, you drive to drive, you drive back to drive, and then you fly back out again. Yeah. And usually on not the most convenient of flights to you, but to the manufacturer okay. who's flying you there. Now, I know that's not the case for everyone, but um, you've probably done, I know actually that you've done a lot of different traveling trips. Um, now, in terms of those travel trips, what would you say is the most fun? Actually, it doesn't even necessarily need to be a travel trip, but what was the most fun press trip that you've done? Okay, when I went to Pebble Beach on, a, on the press okay. program, that was okay. unbelievable. Fair. Uh, that's, it was yeah. a Cadillac program. They put me in uh, a Carmel Valley Lodge. They took me to Clint Eastwood's estate. Um, it was a, it was an unbelievable, uh, experience. They gave you anytime they didn't, you, it's a whole weekend of events, more right. than over a weekend of events. Anytime you weren't covering anything, which is rare. They just tossed you the keys to an ATS and said, go for a ride. Oh go man. For a drive. I've really wanted to drive an ATS or ATSV. Um, and, uh, that was really, that was really spectacular, uh, being, and not only that, everything that happens during that week, I, I, I sound like such a spokesperson for, for her. The Monterey Car Weekend, the <laughs> Beach Concours, which is annoying because I'll never, I don't know if I'll, uh, if I, if I'm doing it right, but um, you get to go to these programs, the Quail and um, and the actual concourse, and you see. I've heard about the Quail. Uh, you see celebrities, yeah. and not just um, automotive celebrities like Christian von Koenigsegg or Horatio uh, Pagani. Pagani. Yeah. Um, you see Jay Leno, you see Jerry Seinfeld, you see Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's there talking Spike to Ferenson. everybody. Huh? <laughs> Spike Ferenson. Spike <laughs> Ferenson. Yeah. Uh, Arnold, uh, Arnold was really, he was something else too. He was just, he seemed so happy to be just around people. It was just nonstop chatter. Uh, Michael Strawn was there just like, oh, and then cool. I was so excited to just look at all these people. That's how much the enthusiasm touches. That's, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that had to have been one of the best programs that I've ever done. Um, you said you did that with Cadillac, but I thought earlier you were saying that you went with Lamborghini. No, no, I didn't go with Lamborghini. Uh, that was—it's tough to get a program in Pebble Beach. They have to, I bet, they have to yeah. justify it. 
I actually went uh, the past two years on on Auto Guide's own dime. Uh-huh. Um, that's never a pretty experience, but um, at the same time, it's a positive one because you're not tied to anybody's program. Right. I can go to a Cadillac event if I wanted to. Uh, I see. Event, I see. Mercedes event. Yeah. Super open-ended in that way. If I was on the Cadillac program, I can only do the Cadillac events. Of course. Um, and asking to do otherwise is met with some disapproving glares until you say, you know, I've got a job to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. That must be uh, must be kind of nice to have the freedom it's of going with AutoGuide too, though. It's really tough to convince automakers to to send you though too. Yeah. I mean, that's a, such a desirable event. Um, I would imagine that there are a lot of people lined up for that. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Um, are you at liberty to say who does press events best? I'm sure. I, I mean, I can think of a number of, uh, of events that I've been on recently that have been fantastic. Uh, the U.S. Infinity programs that I go on are among the best I've ever done. No Their kidding. Wow. Super. Not only have they thought about everything, they do a very good job of, of scouting um, routes, um, stops. Um, they end up, you know, um, putting us in very unique situations and... Um, I will admit some of their cars are not the strongest in, in the segment or mm-hmm. in terms of pricing, mm-hmm. but they always end up surprising you with just how well they present them um, during the days. And that's Infinity. You can expect that because it's a luxury automaker. They want to put you in, a, in an experience. Um, on the more mainstream front, I would say Mazda is also a, um, a blast to be around. Um, their PR people are super enthusiastic, just like their cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, That's a good fit. They're really down to, yeah, they're really down to earth in that, in that sense as well. Subaru is the same way. Um, they know what they're doing with their, they know, it feels like they know their journalists that they bring on the event. And it feels almost like a, like a family or, or group of friends whenever you're there. Yeah. So Subaru does it the best. That's what he was, that's what he meant to say the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) No, everyone knows my, uh, allegiance to Subaru, but Subaru does a fantastic job of these events. I have to admit the individuals or teams that are responsible for putting these types of events together have an incredibly creative, I guess, sense to them mm-hmm. um, and their ability to go through and scout roads and find really interesting places to stop and interesting places to stay to help tell the story of that brand or of that model is something that I think should be admired. And I don't necessarily know that it's all that well understood in the industry, but um, to those out there that are organizing those events, um, kudos to you because you guys have a, a tough job and it's tough probably to stay pretty fresh as well. Absolutely. I should, I should, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put anyone, you know, I don't want to throw anyone under the, under the gun, but the, the reason I mentioned that Cadillac event, mm-hmm. it was one, it was the first time I've ever gone to Pimble Beach and I went with, with an automaker and it just blew me away. So I think that in a first impression of what, yeah, like, it really romanticized it. And I yeah. have colleagues who have never gone on an automotive program to Pebble Beach and they said it was the worst experience of their life. And uh, I, couldn't, I can't, I, sh- I want to shake them and be like, I don't know what's wrong with yeah. Um And then, you know, there's other events that can be really unique um, or not very unique. And sometimes you go to the same places all the time, but the people you're with help make it. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm crazy, but sometimes I just like the, the people I'm with uh, who make it. And many of the PR people that you're, that you, you go, that go with you or the other journalists that you go with you, that go with you, end up turning it into a, into a great event. Well, I mean, for you too, I mean, it, it must be a really cool scenario to be surrounded by your peers, um, some of which you've looked up to for mm-hmm. a significant amount of time or you've grown up kind of reading about or listening to or watching or whatever it happens to be. Because, I mean, you're a young guy and you've made a really great name for yourself um, in the industry in the time that you've been doing this. And 
you're you know surrounded by some people who have been doing it maybe a lot longer or they've been doing a, a, a totally different shtick than you have Absolutely. it must be pretty cool to be surrounded by those people while you're out there and doing your thing and doing it as a you know that's this is your day-to-day -day. it's amazing it's actually my favorite part um uh, there's a couple of, of folks out there who have always um been a joy to talk to not to say that other people aren't so I, let me just name drop a few people uh, Norris McDonald, who is a, a very uh, an elderly uh, guy, he's been doing this forever. Actually, he's a young he's a young seventy something, um, <laughs> and he always stops me to talk to me, and he's always sharing stories about past stories that he's covered. Um, and then there's uh, Lorraine Summerfield, who's always doing a unique twist on every single story that she takes. You know, when I said I want I need to expand my mind and have a very creative take on on every story that I write. Yeah, I look at what what Lorraine has done in the past, and she's always got a great idea. Um, just just in her head every single time. She's just a joy to talk to. Um, and then there's there's also a ton of really cool young guys out there who are who are stepping their game up and who are trying to do everything. They're jack of all trades. They do um, record videos by themselves with just a, a GoPro and uh, and and a mic. Um, there's people who do podcasts on the go or or tweet everything or Instagram live right yeah stories. I don't know how they you know. And I feel, I hate saying that. I'm like, I don't know how they do it. And I'm like, I got to do that. <laughs> so um, I, I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't show my vulnerabilities after you've flattered me so thoroughly. No, well, I mean, I believe me, I have all the faith that you're going to, you know, you're going to find each of those little niches. I know people say niches, but niches um, uh, to be able to help promote kind of all of your work, because it sounds like you're already doing it in so many different ways. But um, with that, um, I, I, there are uh, there are a whole bunch more questions. There's, there's so much no, here that we going. can do. Sorry, we, I, I, the, I, the short the short shift turned or the uh, the quick shift turned into no a no. Lot, that's a okay lot. because like I said, the, my hope is that this you know spawns a completely different show with us. Um, I do want to ask you for your wildest story or scenario while you're on a press trip, if you're at liberty to say, of course. I think so. I think I'm at, at liberty to say. It's tough to pinpoint one perfect one. Um, there's, uh, there's one, <laughs> there's one where I, um, I nearly killed a colleague, uh, crashing a Mazda Miata into a tire wall. Oh God. <laughs> it was, uh, during the, uh, an annual Mazda adventure rally, um, which is a, a trip for, for, uh, charity. Uh, it's a very competitive mm -hmm. event. At mm -hmm. least we have been in the running for the top three and got money for, for charity every single time. Uh, and I know I th I, I'm almost certain that you're also going to ask me what's my close call. This was not a close call. This was straight to the other side. Um, <laughs> we we had three runs to do on a auto uh, a an autocross on a track, so okay. a bunch of pylon gates on a track. Okay, yeah. The track had a ton of elevation, and I miss and Mike, my colleague, had been driving the vehicle the entire event, so it was my first time to get into the MX-5 to drive it. Uh, we had three time, three laps for me to both learn the track and learn the car, um, and set a time and that set you were a, happy a with. reasonable okay. competitive time. Yeah. Um, we, I lost it coming down uh, downhill, um, and we went into into a tire wall. It wasn't too bad. I straightened it up. We just hit um, pretty much the rear passenger side of the of the vehicle. Uh, we ended up taping the car together. Uh, some some uh, zip ties and and <laughs> duct tape. Awesome. We actually won the event, uh, earning ten thousand dollars no for way. our charity. Um, Mike said that there was certain there was a certain element that just changes the car once it's become battle scarred. 
Uh, and he's definitely right. It feels like you've taken a collector's item out of the out of the package, and you're just like, it's time to use this thing. Um, and wow. that's what happened. It yeah, was, that makes uh, sense. It's really cool. It was a, it's a really cool story. Also, all of those programs where you get to raise money for charity, um, I believe well over $10,000 every single time. Um, that's that's awesome. Uh, wow. It feels like it feels like at the end of the day, you've done something um, more than just write a story for enthusiasts. You've done something to help somebody else. Uh, I also did that with um, building a house for uh, Habitat for uh, Humanity with Nissan. Wow. Um, yeah, Nissan's very, very involved in Habitat. And that is an unbelievable yeah. experience. It, it means that you're taking something else um, and, 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 and helping somebody. It's always been my dream to, you know, every, after every um, one of these natural disasters, we've, we've been hearing a lot about the hurricanes recently. Um, and we, sometimes we see automakers saying, we're going to donate some money to these causes. I, w- I would always one day, I just want to say, you know, put me in that pickup truck with some supplies. Let's go over there and help. Um, and I would love to know what that experience is like, where that money that they invested. Yeah. I would love to tell that story one day. Huh. They, well, hey, to those that are listening out there, I feel like I feel like there's a frontier or a titan in your foreseeable future that you may be able to load up some great construction we'll supplies see, because in. There's an alternate side of it that sounds very exploitative. You, you're waiting for a natural disaster to go and help people. What are you yeah, doing? no, but so I mean, there are enough. To be of honest, them. I'm also helping people as yeah. much as I can in my everyday. Yeah, there are enough of them these days <laughs> that I, I hope. I mean, knock on wood that that doesn't happen here in Toronto, but. Given how crazy things are right now, you never know. So, um, I mean, very admirable of you. F- f- funny that it ended with you know you damaging a car and having an, an off. But oh my god, it was uh, so embarrassing for a great cause, and you raised some money for it. So, uh, yeah, no, that definitely turned out to be a good and a bad. Um, okay, so last before we go to stay current, who should we all be following these days? So, in your opinion, who's at the top of their game? So that's written, podcasted, video reviews, and this is there are no boundaries. So global. Okay. Um, simply put, my uh, I look up to uh, a few automotive journalists in Canada. Um, one, I have the pleasure of working with um, Jody Lai, my editor-in-chief. Uh, in addition to her, uh, Ben Hunting, who I do the podcast with, I've always told him mm-hmm. that he's among mm-hmm. the, the top. Probably the best in the industry has to be Brennan McAleer. I don't know if I've ever told him that or if it's <laughs> the first time that he'd be hearing it. Yeah. I think he is one of the best. Yeah. Um, he's a great photographer, a great writer, yeah. uh, and he always has such a great spin on things. And you can find him in almost every one of the top uh, buff books out there. You really can, yeah. Um, beyond that, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other folks that I've... Uh, I'll pinpoint those guys um, as being the standard for me whenever I go uh, or read anything. Um, Jody's always been really, um, she's creative. That's the best part about her. She will let you go with anything and she appreciates every sort of story that comes out. Um, ben is a hard worker. I don't know how he, how he puts himself through it. Uh, he's always writing a ton of stories and he has a different audience all the time. Uh, one of his primary clients is uh, Roadkill, which is such a, yeah. oh my a God. neat so awesome. um, publication. And yeah. then, like I said, Brennan McAleer has this, he finds himself in unique situations and he writes great stories on it. I'll stick to those three. That's my top three. And uh, like I said, I'm very lucky to know them and to have uh, been on the same events and picked their brain. Um, and they stand out for sure. I love it. Well, and and it's so nice to know, too, that we have such talent in Canada. Absolutely. Because, you know, regardless of where everybody is, the, those are the people that you picked. And I know you're close to them. But at the same point, um, I also share very similar opinions. and And I feel like 
we should be super proud of being Canadians within this automotive industry that have this kind of talent here. And I really hope that that continues. And I hope that the enthusiasm that we all find in automotive continues because, you know, that's the heart and soul of this podcast and why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I'm doing this outside of work, but I do what I do for work and what you do for work and what you do outside of work. We're just enthusiastic about cars. Um, and to me, you know, until everything's gone to this world of autonomous driving, which I, I, I hope doesn't happen. And we'll talk about on our next podcast. Um, I, I really, I really foresee a positive future for automotive and the enthusiasm enthusiasm behind interesting things in automotive because I think there are a lot of people that are really interested in what's going on out there. And so thank you, Sammy, for um, contributing to that world and the body of work that's happening out there that keep people um, interested in what's going on, um, enthusiastic about what's going on, and inspired to do hopefully more or write more or talk more or just go and drive more. So um, on that, we will end our episode. And so, Sammy, thank you so much for being on the show. Let us know where we can find you. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want to divulge to the audience. I, honestly, I prefer Twitter and Instagram. They're the same handle. It's at Sammy underscore, huh? Like you're laughing at me. <laughs> um, it's also the initials of my last name, Hajisad. Yep. But at Sammy underscore Ha, that's the easiest way to get in touch with me. Uh, and I promise I return most of my tweets or, or in direct messages. Uh, I won't leave you hanging, I promise. Amazing. Uh, and if you have any ideas or if you're worried that you can't do it or if you need some encouragement, I'm there for you. I can help out. Um, I, I think anybody can do it with the right um, sort of driven mind and you can, you can achieve anything. I'm one of those classic motivational people. <laughs> that's awesome well there you go that's an open invitation um and do hit up sammy so this is you know this has been a great episode i really appreciate you coming in for this um this has been um what i believe now is episode 32 of the bucket seat podcast i'm your host trevor byrne i've been here with sammy hajisad um i really thank you for listening Check us out if you want on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter at The Bucket Seat. You can email me at trevor at thebucketseat.ca if you have any ideas for future episodes or if you have any questions. Um, and otherwise, thank you to everyone and tune in next week. Mm -hmm.